want you to think about a time in your life where you were passed over. Now that can have many meanings, but I'm speaking about specifically what it means when the dark angel of death, their wing has maybe just brushed your cheek. We are all sitting here today grateful to be alive, but was there a time when you were passed over, maybe more than once, when perhaps that person ran the red light and they passed this close in front of you? Or maybe, maybe you actually were T-boned, ended up in the hospital, and it was the emergency room techs and doctors who said, oh my gosh, it is amazing you are alive today. Do you have something like that in your life that maybe you took risks? I don't know about you, but when I was younger, did some pretty wacky things. A friend, I've been asking uh, everyone around me in the last couple of weeks whether they have had that experience of being passed over, and a friend told me this story. She said, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was five or six. Our family was at the beach. It was one of those great beaches, and the waves were foamy and active, and I was playing in the foam. And all of a sudden, I was whooshed away. And she said, I have this image of the sound in my ears, that bubbling, and that something else had that was more powerful than me had taken me away. And I can see my father doing that high step that you try to do is getting as fast as you can through water to get to me and yanking me out and pulling me out. I'm here today. I was passed over. I have a similar water experience sailing. We used to sail a lot, and I got caught under. I was wearing a life jacket and got caught under lines and a sail. We had capsized. It was windy, and all that thing, all those things that run through your mind of, I, I don't know how to unhook myself. I'm stuck. So I want you to think about the time an angel of death may have come a little too close. Because in Exodus, their story of identity, what it means to be a community, is all wrapped up in that moment of Passover that they were chosen. And how do you tell your own story of Passover? I was surrounded by people in other boats and motorboats that could have saved me. My friend said it was about family and what it means to have a father, as opposed to what Larry told us about fatherhood, <laughs> um, that, that family is important and so there, there are details in that Passover story that have to do with who you are, who you belong to, how you were liberated from almost death to be here today. Now what's interesting about the story in Exodus 
is we tend to think of the Bible as, as depicting a, a, a deity that's monolithic. And Exodus, God, who they call Yahweh, God has a name, is all over the map. Powerful, weak, changing. And it's all about negotiation. So, so Yahweh is negotiating with with people saying, if you do this, I'll do this. Yeah, Moses, the part of Passover that we're going to talk more about, God is negotiating with Moses, negotiating with the, the Hebrew tribe, with the Israelites, and negotiating with the Pharaoh. What's interesting throughout Exodus is God is often talking about the Pharaoh and he says, I'm going to harden the heart of the Pharaoh. Have you been, had your heart hardened? Do you know what that, what, what that means? When, when my jaw gets tight, when I'm so certain of something and you're telling me something else and I'm not going to believe you or change my behavior, my heart is hardened. And it's about a leader whose heart is hardened. So... Not just our current president, but all of our leaders, including your minister, your past ministers. Are there times when you were like, you know, their heart is hardened and I'm not going to be able to make a change here. So the negotiation with Moses in Exodus and the heart that was hardened by God, by Yahweh, Yahweh sent these ten plagues, and those are reenacted by the Jewish people at Passover. How many people here have been to a Seder dinner? It's a ritual reenactment of the history of the Jewish people, but also specifically of the Passover. So... So the struggle has to do with the Pharaoh is going to dig in his heels, not going to liberate the slaves who are the Jewish people, not going to liberate them. So God says, okay, I'm going to send 10 different horrific events your way. We'll see how you do. How many people's lives have you felt like, oh, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, and things keep coming my way, and okay, I'll do it. The last plague has to do with passing over the Hebrew households and not killing the firstborn. So, so God talking to Moses says, okay, the tenth plague is going to be I'm going to kill the firstborn, not just the firstborn child, but the firstborn of any livestock, any firstborn. So imagine how disruptive that would be to any culture, particularly a culture that's rural, depends on their livestock. So in essence, God is saying, Yahweh is saying, I'm going to disrupt your rule, O Pharaoh, and disrupt your whole community so that you will finally let the Israelites go. But it's collaborative. 
the Israelites, they don't just get freed. They have to do their part too, which is how freedom always works and liberation always works. And you have to think about that in terms of your own Passover story. What role did you play? Maybe you did take some action. Maybe others around you did help. So God says, what I'm going to do is kill the firstborn unless you let me know who you are, unless you identify yourself, unless you choose your boundaries, unless you stand with a certain set of people, unless you identify that you belong to a certain tribe. And how you will let me know is you will sacrifice a lamb and take the blood and paint it over your doorway. So I'll know. So an aside, a 21st century aside, I think, oh, that's interesting. I don't think of Yahweh as someone who's kind of strolling and going, well, that door, that has blood, but that one doesn't. I mean, can't Yahweh come through the doorways and down the chimney? And um, It's an interesting image of what all-powerful means and how that operates. And it makes me think of... Uh, actually, it makes me think of Syria. It makes me think of Syria because that, that gas went everywhere. And that's about a pharaoh who has power, who is abusing the power indiscriminately. And we could make a case about whether Yahweh is doing that, and we will. We'll talk about who gets sacrificed and who doesn't. But I think part of this story is metaphorical. How do you explain that a bunch of firstborn are killed? How do you explain that some plague came through our land? Because Exodus is a retelling of history, takes place in a certain time, but is written much later and by many hands. So it's a carefully crafted history, like all histories are. So back to uh, my musings about how does Yahweh decide just to go through the front door. Pretty polite little Yahweh on some level. I'm going to kill your sons, but I'll knock and come through the front door. Don't you worry. <laughs> I, I guess uh, power can operate that way. Can come in through the front door. The bargain is the Israelites have to be ready to leave. And Moses is given these instructions. You have to have your sandals on. You have to have your, your bread ready to go. And you have to have collected silver and other precious metals. You have to be ready to flee. And as I looked up all the images of the parting of the sea, this is Moses later, they've left Egypt, and I can't help but think of all the refugee and the poem that Anne read, what it means to flee. When do you know it's time to flee? It's not always clear. There's not always this, in retrospect, some Yahweh giving concrete instructions. And we have to listen to those who are fleeing more carefully. Who are they listening to? So Passover. So the Jews celebrate this saving of their people. 
in this incredible ritual meal. What's interesting is on that Seder, so there's a Seder plate, very specific plate, and very specific foods on that plate. There are bitter herbs to talk about how bitter it is to be enslaved. I guess I haven't said directly, yes, the Hebrews were the slaves to the Egyptians. So this is about a liberation, not only geographically, but from power over and not having control over your life and being enslaved. There is, um, you dip other herbs in salty water to represent the tears and the sweat. There's this marvelous, fabulous, cut up apple and cinnamon and nuts and honey to represent the mortar that the Israelites used in their building as slaves. They were the ones that built all of the Egyptian great buildings and tombs. And then in the middle of every Seder plate is a piece of meat, historically a lamb shank. And there are very explicit instructions in, the, in Exodus about how that lamb should be slaughtered, how the blood should be used, and that it should be then roasted a very specific way to be eaten. And this is a repeat of that instruction. So what about the lamb? The lamb sure isn't liberated, is it? And that's the other complicated part of liberation and being passed over. It gives you identity. It allows you to say, I'm part of this tribe, and part of the tribe is I'm part of the living human beings walking on the earth today because I was passed over. But what about other kinds of Passover? The lamb, not so lucky. The lamb gave up its life sacrifice, which is how the Christians took that sacrificial lamb image and applied it to Jesus to understand why their leader was killed by the state. What about the times you were passed over and that was not a good thing, that it was maddening, that it was wrong, that you were the sacrificial lamb? I remember my 23-year-old self who quit on the spot in a job that I loved because the owner of the company said, I'm sorry, women are not allowed to do that. I said, I'm out of here. I would handle it a little different maybe now, maybe. (laughs) But still, I was passed over. And our, our association is struggling right now are, um, if you don't follow our national UUA politics, uh, the president of our association quit, Peter Morales, and two of the staff people also quit because in our particular region, a few weeks ago, they hired someone to replace. A man was retiring. Everyone knew that. There was a, um, you know, went through the regular process of of getting resumes, and it came down to two candidates, and who they hired was a white, middle-aged man. And this is, this is what's hard about liberation. <laughs> he, 
he may have been just the right person. And that's the other thing about stepping into to personnel issues. But it has created a huge kerfluffle. No, that's, that's a dismissive term. It has created great pain and turmoil in our association. And our president quit because his response to everyone's uh, concern that who was passed over was a woman of color. And we who say we are open to all and we are working hard to be as diverse as possible didn't take an opportunity to hire someone. And it's still the case that leadership in our association is primarily white men. So it, it's created a little nuclear explosion, the way Passovers do. And it has created, so what tribe do you belong to? Do you belong to the one that feels like that was uh, a terrible wrong and we uh, need to atone for our sins? That someone was sacrificed unfairly to see how it gets caught up in identity and politics and power? So when were you passed over unfairly? Because you belonged to the wrong tribe. Because you couldn't say, you know, I'm gay, I can't tell you this because I'll lose my job. There are still people in Oklahoma that will lose their jobs for being transgendered or for being gay or lesbian, who still cannot be their full selves, which is what the liberation is about. How can you be your full self? So I think in the, uh, in the story of what it means to be a tribe... We call ourselves a tribe. I've been thinking all the time about what it means to be Hope Church and to have been here almost 50 years. What kinds of things did we pass over? People come here and say, oh, I have found my home in the sense that they were passed over by orthodoxy and doctrine that was oppressive. So we have that Passover story in our own liberation. And are we telling our story that way? That's the other thing. This is Exodus is this grand narrative. Are we telling are you telling your personal grand narrative and are we as Hope Church telling our grand narrative in terms of who's in power, who's not in power, how we disrupted power, how we continue to disrupt power? because something was passed over. I don't have a lot of answers for you today. I want you to think about what tribes you belong to and what stories you have within that tribe. I think of all of you who are soldiers and veterans. What does it mean to belong to that tribe and to be passed over and know that some of your friends gave their life for ideals? or gave their life so you could be sitting here. So I'm asking us all to look for those Passover stories, looking for power, and looking for how they are liberating, and who's liberated, and who's sacrificed. And is that right and fair? May it be so.